I should probably shout that one out more than I shout out the Christmas album. <laughs> Logan's like, hey, episode. it's almost the middle of April. We love Christmas. Listen to our Christmas episode. Literally every episode I find a way to talk about the Christmas one. I don't know how. But... Anyway. I'm going to shout out the Tori Kelly one also, because that's one we did recently that I loved, and Tori Kelly is dope. So if you haven't listened to our Tori Kelly episode yet, get your tush over there. Listen to Tori Kelly. I'm going to shout out the Adele episode because I was there for that one. Lauren was there for that one. <laughs> and Adele is iconic. She is iconic. Speaking of iconery, we have a very special guest on with us today. Logan or Lauren, please do the introduction. Well, so we have Lauren, our recurring guest, just here always. And yeah. we have a fourth person with us today for the first time. We have the wonderful Courtney Fairborn. Yeah, Courtney! Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so happy that you're here because Courtney's very passionate about what we're talking about, and so we figured she was the perfect one for this important episode about one of the most important artists that there is. Who are we going to talk about? Taylor Swift. Again, for the third time, but it's for very good reason, because why, Courtney? She re-released an album with songs from the vault that have never been released before. So, Taylor Swift is re-recording her early albums, and the reason for this is because of one of her early record contracts with... Big Machine Records. That was who she was originally signed with. And her first six albums, so Taylor Swift, Fearless, Speak Now, Red, 1989, and Reputation. Just for everybody's mental imagery, listening to Logan speak right now, he just listed those all off. He didn't look at a single thing. He didn't look at a single thing. He He just knew. What a T-Switch fan. (laughs) Wow, Logan. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) So those are her first six albums that were recorded through that label. And then at the end of that contract, she was negotiating another contract with them, but they didn't get it to work out. So she ended up signing with a different label. Um, and part of her initial contract with her first record company was that they owned the masters. So in the copyright world, there's two different copyrights for each song. There's the copyright for just like the creation of the song and just like the existence of the music itself. And then there's a second copyright that's specifically for the recordings. And so while she owned the songs, the company owned all of the recordings, which meant that they could basically do what they wanted with them. And so a few years ago, Scooter Braun, who he's a manager for quite a few artists, Justin Bieber, Demi Lovato, he bought out Taylor Swift's original recording company and with that purchased her master recordings. So he owned them. So Taylor Swift was trying to buy them back, her own recordings of her songs, so that she could use them however she wanted and not have them held over her head by someone else. But they were not letting her. The contracts weren't getting worked out. And so she was never able to buy the recordings back. So without her knowledge, Scooter Braun sold her master recordings to someone else. And so... The audacity. I know. And so... And part of that contract was the other group couldn't tell Taylor Swift that they'd bought the recordings till after the purchase had been done. And so she just got a message that said they'd owned them and they were trying to negotiate it. But either way, no matter what, Scooter Braun would get some of the proceeds from those recordings. So Taylor Swift, based on her first contract, um, came to the conclusion that five years after the release of her records, she could 
re-record any of them and re-release them. And if she did that, then she would then own the masters for those recordings and be able to use them, distribute them however she wants. And then she's getting all the profits and not some other company. And so the main reason she's re-recording is so that she can own her music and basically to just get back at these backdoor deals that have happened through all these record companies the past few years. Pretty sketchy business. Yeah. So Fearless was the first album re-release of this series of what will likely be all six of her first albums that we will get to experience again. So why do you think she chose to do this one first? Yeah, because chronologically not the it's first not the one. first one. Yeah. So I wonder, I feel like Taylor Swift like is a schemer, not in a bad way, but she totally has like these ideas and these like things for her fans and her mm-hmm. people like years in advance. So I'm wondering what the reason is. It's like why she's doing Fearless first and just like I'm interested to see like what the whole end result will be and if there is a reason what is going to be at the end that taylor swift knows and nobody else does like ah! you know what i'm saying well the theories right now are that reputation will be last that was the last one to come out chronologically and because of that it can't be re-recorded until november of 2022 so the thought is that she'll release three albums this year and three albums next year with reputation being the last one there's uh, some kind of theories about the order that they'll come out people think the 1989 will be next because Here's the thing. Taylor Swift is always scheming, and she's posted a couple of videos where there's, like, certain color... She's so sick. Yeah, there's, like, so colors dope. over she's the videos, brilliant. and most of her albums have, like, a color associated with them. And so people yeah. think that the next one is going to be 1989, because the blue color comes next, and then purple's next in the video. So if I remember right, the order that people think is Fearless 1989, Speak Now will come this year, and then next year we'll get red Taylor Swift and Reputation. Dang. Plus, she just, like, her and all of her little Easter eggs, just, like, Mm -hmm. in all of her music videos, and, like, she just is, like, totally into all that, which is so fun. Her mind is just, like, how can I confuse everyone, but also make them wonder what I'm doing every single moment of my life? Like, she just knows how to keep herself relevant, you know? Mm -hmm. She knows how to keep people interested in what she's doing, which is really cool. Yeah, she's definitely an artist and more than just, like, her music. I mean just in the way that she interacts with her fan base and in the way that she's released music in the last year, especially. Um, And it's amazing too, that she's able to just like release an album and then Mm -hmm. it gets just as much hype as it would if she had been promoting it for months, you know? Yeah. And so I think she, that's something that she, she's very, she's a rounded, she's a rounded performer and a rounded artist because she's, engaging people on so many more levels than just her music Mm -hmm. but even if it was just her music like it's brilliant in and of itself so the fact that she just does more just makes her so extra (laughs) clever yeah i think that's one reason why people enjoy being her fan because it's fun like yeah Yeah. people posting they're like how am i supposed to figure out what all these things mean (laughs) like there was that thing a while back i don't know if any of you saw this but there was like a random word that was on the cover of like one of the bonus editions of folklore and so people thought there'd be like a third bonus album and she like clarified that at some point and said it was just a mistake. Maybe. Who knows? Anyway, so there's like just always things like that. Like Well, there were the clues for this for when this album was gonna be released, right? Yeah. 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 Do you know about those? Do you want to talk about those? Do mm-hmm. you want me to? Sure. I mean, she just released like a or posted like a letter to people on her um social media about it was about the release, right? Of Fearless. Yeah. And the capital letters. There were like capital letters um sprinkled throughout the the letter and when you or throughout the yeah throughout the letter and when you pull them all out or run them all down and unscramble them it said it had the release date for 
Fearless. Yeah, which was April 9th, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. And then even since then, she posted a video that was basically clues for the um, from the vault song titles. It was literally just like scrambled letters, mm-hmm. just like appearing in sequence. And I don't know how people did this, but they unscrambled all of the words and pieced them together into the titles of each of the different songs. It's with some of the featured artists. With, yeah, uh, with the featured crazy. artists. Crazy. Like, we got the cryptologist working on this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so she's just always doing things like that, but it makes it fun. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think it's all part of what I'm going to just dub this as right now, the Taylor Swift experience. Because here's the deal. She does all this stuff, right? Crazy fun stuff for her fans. Keeps them interested. Keeps the world engaged on their toes all the time. But because of COVID-19, she didn't get to go on tour for her Lover album. And since her Lover album, she's released two albums plus a re-recording. So four albums in two years. That's crazy. It's insane. So next time she tours, I feel like, honestly, this tour should just be called the Taylor Swift Experience because she's going to have to have songs from her Lover album, her Folklore, Evermore, and I bet you, like, songs from the vault yeah. from this new release. Like, material, yeah. What is she going to call that tour? Like, what is it going to be? It has to be the Taylor Swift experience. Like, that's just what it has to be. And like, even just we'll her, those yeah. four albums, you've got such a variety of genres <laughs> yeah. to experience. I mean, you've got Lover, which has, I mean, even within Lover, there's, there's a couple different, I mean, there's, like, Lover itself is very 80s pop. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, like, I don't know, like, forgot that you existed or what you know what else that are very pop and then you have her next two albums which are folk and um and then you've got fearless which is definitely country and so even just within that little realm we've got three or four different genres and let's not forget that we might get a couple more albums from her before she tours again yeah <laughs> flip this table <laughs> holy crap that's so cool and the qual, but the quality of them never went down too that's the other yeah. thing like you'd think if she was releasing that much music it would be easy to just like write something and put it out there but she has crafted um especially in her i mean fearless she wrote earlier but in the three song three albums she's released recently where all the music is new she's crafted she's been a masterful storyteller in those three albums and the quality hasn't gone down despite writing so much music in such a short amount of time i think that some people give her grief for like betraying her original genre which was country but like if you can go between genres why not that's so cool i love how she can do that so seamlessly and getting back into like when she re-recorded the fearless album it just seems so natural even though she hasn't done this style of song for a long time Mm -hmm. so i think it's Impressive how she's able to flow seamlessly between whatever she wants to do, whenever she wants to do it. To both of your points, like, it's so, so cool, especially now that, like, we get to hear these songs from the vault. It feels like she never left that era, almost, Mm -hmm. like you were kind of saying. But it's also so cool to see, like, how she has progressed, like, from that actual time when she first released Fearless. The journey that she's gone on as a musician and just a person and how, like, you can see her versatility not only as a musician and as an artist, but in her genres. Like, she literally can do it all. Mm-hmm. Like, she really could. So it's, like, so cool to see that now, like, with this new album release, going back and being like, dang, this is still just as cool and just as good. But also with some of the songs from The Vault, I think she kind of sprinkles in a little bit of what she knows now as an artist, as a musician, yeah, which is yeah. so cool. And I think, to this this constant reinventing of herself as an artist is part of being a woman in the industry. You know, I think as a woman, 
um, in order to stay relevant, because once you reach a certain age, you're considered old in the entertainment industry, you have to keep reinventing yourself in order to stay relevant. And I know she's talked to that point a few times. Um, but I love that she's taken that concept of the necessity of reinventing yourself in order to stay relevant and she's owned it. And like, she's made it kind of part of who she is and put her own twist on it in a way that is empowering and takes herself back from these expectations that society and the industry have placed on her. Um, and I think we've really seen that, especially now as she's releasing music basically whenever she wants, like she's very much in charge of her career at this point, which is really exciting and empowering um, when you think about how other women in the in the industry are often just pushed aside because because they don't reinvent themselves. And so she's taken this necessity and this cultural expectation and just made it her own and owned it and flipped it on its head a little bit, I think. I think something that is remarkable is that we've talked about this a lot, Courtney, is that oftentimes women have to sexualize themselves to stay relevant or to stay successful and I feel like she's almost done the opposite she started wearing sweaters and you know she's yeah. just I feel like she's just become an example of how you can just be a person yeah. in the industry and be successful you don't have to sell yourself short you know agree. or compromise yeah for sure let's talk some about fearless so this is larger than the original album I think the original had 13 tracks and then the deluxe had 19 when it was released in 2008 this version has 26, 26. 26 songs on it and so with it's almost two hours long (laughs) i think that's like again just a point to how in charge she is of her career like what other artists can just release an album that's 26 songs long (laughs) their record label would be like um i don't think all these songs are gonna especially nowadays when you buy things by song a lot of times or you're streaming what what record companies could be like, yeah, sure, go ahead, release an album with 26 songs. I don't know, maybe that's just me. Does that feel long to anyone else? I think it feels super long, but to your point, Courtney, I think Taylor Swift is one of the only people, not just female artists, one of the only artists in general that could do that, okay? Because, like, her fans, literally, because of all the crap that she's gone through, you already know that her fans across the world are going to be listening to this album way more than anything else because... They're going to be like, I'm supporting her because she actually owns this music now. Mm-hmm. My listens, my streams, the money isn't going to some other company. Like, it's actually going to Taylor Swift. Like, the loyalty of her fan base is insane. So, like, even though this album is almost two hours long, you already know that people are out there listening to it straight through all the time. Like, it's so crazy. Yeah. I think that the fans, I mean, I am really liking listening to it because it's so interesting to hear these songs that she wrote when she was so young, again, from an adult's point of view almost. I think that so, makes it so interesting listening to it again because we knew these songs our whole lives and now mm. it almost takes on a different meaning. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know that I would have re-listened to it like I have been re-listening to it if she hadn't re-released it. It is interesting to see these songs that were written from someone who was a teenager now sung by someone who is in Very their long. 30s. Yeah. yeah. Too, right. Like because even like for us who have grown up with these songs, they take on a different meaning now than they did before. Yeah. I think one of them that a couple of us have talked about already is the song 15, which like is from the perspective, like talking to a 15 year old and here Taylor Swift is at 31 singing that song from that experience. And it just takes on a whole different meaning of looking back on that time. It's so, yeah, it's so evident in that song. It's almost like 30 something year old Taylor is 
telling this to her 15 year old self. And that takes on a different meaning because before she was, she was a teenager when she wrote this, but she was a little bit older than 15. So she says like, Oh, back in the day when I was 15, but like now it means something. Mm -hmm. And now I think she's talking to herself and to all the 15 year olds that she can relate to because now she has the experience. And I think it's, it's like when we think back on our lives, we can think of the advice we'd want to give to our younger selves. Yeah. And that's kind of the meaning that that takes on for me now. And so many of those lines, it was interesting because when I was listening to it as a teenager, the lines that would stick out to me are not the same lines that stuck out to me now. And I think the message is very different. And, you know, it's like when you read a childhood book again or something, it's, it's, it's a really cool experience to be able to, to experience something that you um, participated in as a teenager and then to participate in it in the same thing today as when you're older or later and to have similar experiences and remember what it's like, but also to look at it with a different perspective. It's, it's a really cool thing to be able to do. And I think that's part of what makes art so powerful. I think that's an important aspect of art is that you can look at it in different perspectives and pull something different out of it. I really liked looking back at some of the classic songs and just like reliving them in a way that they just hit me in so much of a different way like that. Like I've loved listening to Love Story which I was telling you guys this before, but that song I think has one of the greatest key changes in music ever. <laughs> and like now when I listen to it, it just, I don't know what it is. Cause that's the thing. It's not that different from the original, but it just hits me so much harder for some reason. And I think it's just knowing that we've all grown up with this. And now here we are experiencing it again. It's like, Oh, this is still something meaningful that like I'm just reliving in a really beautiful way. Yeah. And props to her for feeling confident enough in her teenage self's writing abilities to re-record all of these songs. Seriously. Because I think that would be something really hard to do, to kind of throw yourself back into that, the mentality that you were at at that age. I look back at what I wrote as a teenager, like poetry or journal entries or whatever it is, and I'm like, ugh, yeah. I hate this. Everything Burn I did it. was trash. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like, yeah, I'm just going to re-record it and put it out to the world. And it works. With minimal changes. With minimal changes. Yeah. yeah, yeah excellent the changes are in like inflections of things it's not like she's changing lyrics or anything because like i look back at songs i wrote like a year ago or three months ago and i'm like wow i could do so much better than this now i hate this song (laughs) yeah and the fact that she's just embracing it i think is really beautiful yeah i think she's respecting her younger self i was gonna say 15's cool a cool perspective because i mean the model of trauma therapy I went through, part of it was going back to my younger self and just being like, hey, it's going to be okay, you know? And that was that's a really cool thing to be able to just look back and be like, wow, I was young and I made some mistakes and be able to look back on yourself with compassion, but also be able to be like, okay, like I know, I know it's going to be okay. Like, and, and to have that wisdom of your years without losing compassion for your past self. And that's something I just love about 15, especially. I know we keep coming back to 15, but like it just captures that so well, like the compassion and love you can have for your younger self without letting go of becoming who you are as you grow older. older. Wow. <laughs> I really like when we were talking about love story. I think it's really interesting because it almost makes it more relatable now that it's a grown woman who's gone through a lot of stuff talking about a fantasy. Whereas when she was a teenager, it was like cute and it was like whimsical. But now it means something more because life isn't a fantasy and we all know it. And so seeing a grown woman step back into those shoes is really thought provoking. I just got chills when you said that. So that was <laughs> nice because I was just thinking about how now here she is in a stable relationship that she's happy in and she's gone through so much. And it's just so nice to see that song 
in that context of her life now that she has some of these things that she was singing about at that point. So I think one of the, to that point about how she's able to look at life with, with a sense of reality after everything she's been through. Um, I was listening to breathe again with Kobe Calais and I love it. It's so good. Um, and I was like, it was taking me back to when I loved it as, uh, you know, a child when I was and a teenager, when I was listening to it. But, um, I love that she, I think she, I mean, obviously she wrote it at the time, so I think she understood it, but I think she understands it even more now. And I think we understand it even more now as we're listening to it again, because that's how life is. You know, things don't work out and the person that you think you're going to marry, or you think you're going to spend the rest of your life with, you break up with, or you don't get into the college that you want to, or people, you know, things, things happen in life. And, um, I love that she testifies to that point because I think in music a lot we don't look at that aspect of the reality. We look at the we look at the aspect of heartbreak and we look at the aspect of things working out, but we don't really think about that kind of acceptance that she's able to look at it with and breathe. She's like it hurts, but it is what it is. I think in that song, and that's not necessarily how I took it when I was younger because I really focused in on the like the chorus but I think that it was interesting to listen to it now with perspective like things don't work out and it really hurts and that's okay but then she because she as a person moved on we get the sense of moving on without her having written in the song yes I'm gonna kind of piggyback on what you said and I think it's so cool because the way that she writes like the way that she storytells and just like how she dives into the emotion especially with a song like breathe like we talked about this with Adele, too, but it just makes her music timeless. So cool, because, like, I remember Fearless was, like, the first little cute little piano book that I got when I was, like, in cute. middle school, and I would, like, play <laughs> cute so little bad. songs out of it. And Breathe is, like, my favorite. Like, I would play it all the time. Like, even today, like, it still hits you in the feels because, like, I think as Taylor, kind of like you were saying, Courtney, like, she was going through all these things, and now she's been through all these things, which, similar to our situations, like, we were going through all these things. Now we've been through all these things. So like we can relate. We related really hard then. We relate really hard now. And like it makes the music just like go forever. Yeah. And I think that's what Taylor Swift, honestly, when it, if somebody were to ask me to sum up in one word, what I think is the best thing about Taylor Swift is storyteller. She's an excellent storyteller. And um, I think a lot of music misses that these days. I mean, obviously they have maybe different purposes or different goals in mind, dance music or whatever. But um, within most of her songs, the first line puts you straight into this story or this this world that she's created within her songs and I think that's she's only strengthened that as she's gotten older and as she's released more music but even going back you can just see those seeds of of that masterful storyteller growing and um it's really really cool to go back and look at the story she told then and the story she's telling now and just think about how they've affected and impacted everyone's lives and how you can relate to those stories and I think that's what's so powerful about her. I really like Mr. Perfectly Fine. I just love that, like, two days before the album was released, she was just like, by the way, here's this song, just so you know. She just, like, threw I it out. I loved her caption with it, too. Did yeah. you, when she was like... I can't remember. Okay, here's her caption. So she said on Twitter, me in 2020, life is chill, writing songs based in fiction to avoid drama, feeling pretty grown up. My 20... Her, my 2008 music from the vault in a goblin voice release mr perfectly fine and so then she just released it like that was how she announced it and it was just announced at that moment That's amazing. so anyway she's funny and i love it because i think it's a testament to how she's grown as a person as well because all her new music is about fictional like she said fictional 
fictional stories, fictional people. And then you compare that to maybe some of her earlier music that is very clearly about people that we all know she dated or very clearly about, you know, this person or that experience that we know she had. And I don't know, I just think it's really cool that now she's like, I can tell stories that are relatable and and vulnerable and raw without necessarily involving anybody else, you know? And I think that's really cool. But I'm also so here for things like Dear John and We Are Never Getting Back Together. So, Um, but yeah, Songs from the Vault, Mr. Perfectly Fine. I think I read that this one and a couple others, like, you can see hints of her newer music reflected in the lyrics to this, which makes me wonder how much editing she did on these songs, like how much she changed lyrics and things. Well, I think a lot of the, from the Vault songs, she worked with Aaron Dessner, and there's one in particular, we can talk about that in a little bit, but um, it, it reminds me of intros to songs from Folklore and Evermore, mm-hmm. like, so I think that, I don't know if that's Taylor Swift, like, coming into, like, this, like, new musical era of herself, or if that's kind of, like, a signature musical thing that Aaron Dessner does, because he produced... Mm-hmm. I think a few of the songs from the ball. I don't know if he did all of them, but I know he's done a few. A few. And so I don't know if that's like an Aaron Dessner thing or if that's like a new Taylor Swift thing, but definitely well, tying in. And it's likely that these songs weren't totally finalized either yeah, because yeah. they were never released. So it's likely that they went in and just finished it up and it was finished up with how she, she does music too. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When she commented about that one, she was like, it was really fun to take these old songs and just like throw in flavors of what I'm doing now. Because I mentioned this with the song Don't You. Like that one sounds like it could be on folklore. Mm. Yeah. It's fun too. I think she uses more poetic devices in her new her newer stuff. I think she's always used them. But I think she's used them more in her new stuff. And like um, Mr. Perfectly Fine, for example, uses that repetition of beginning the sentence with Mr., and saying so much and so little like within that structure of just giving him some kind of name we learn so much about the story and we learn so much about the kind of person that she's talking about and all she's saying is mr perfect face mr here to stay whatever it is um and you anyways i just think that's so brilliant and so poetic and i love it i love it when we see especially popular artists using poetic devices in their lyrics so i'm kind of a sucker for that but i love how she does like the little vocal slide on like face and stay mm-hmm. and then later like right like it's so fun she's like this like she goes up it's so fun that's all i have to say about that and maybe the big difference between her old stuff and her new stuff like or her old recordings and then these new recordings of the same song it's just that her voice has matured and so just within that just hearing a little bit more depth to her voice just that is enough to make you rethink it um kind of to the point of what we were talking about how she has these new musical elements that she's kind of been implementing um the one that sticks out in my mind the most that makes me think of like folklore and evermore is you all over me because it starts out at the very beginning there's just that pulsing rhythm on that single note and it just, yeah, it reminds me of lots of, like, the beginnings of songs from Evermore and Folklore, and it kind of puts me back in that little place, but All Over Me is a great one. This is also one that she released before she released the full show. Yeah, it came out a couple weeks before. I like this one because this is one that also feels like it's her today speaking to her then. Because, mm-hmm. like, the lyrics in the chorus, you have, I lived, I learned, had you, got burned, held out, and held on, God knows too long. Like, all of that, just as I listened to it, it, it just felt like it was 
today Taylor talking to old Taylor, which I don't know, for some reason brings current me comfort that like future me could be sending me messages somehow now in the future. Oh, how meta. I know. <laughs> and what a catchy chorus it is, too. Oh. I think the catchiness of the chorus is similar to her original stuff, because that was all about being a catchy tune, you know what I mean? Like a cute story and a catchy tune. Yeah. And I, I feel like this really correlates with that original music. Yeah. Well, it's catchy and it's meaningful. Like, mm-hmm. I'm surprised this one didn't make the album, because I really like it as a song. I do, too. It's so relatable, again, because it's just, I mean... From the first line, you're just, again, in this image or in this setting and in this place and in this experience that she had. And I think I think we've all probably had a similar experience where maybe it's not somebody that we've been in a relationship with, but someone has we've tried so hard to cling on to someone and hold on to a relationship that just wasn't good. And I think she captures that really well by being specific like the best and worst day of june was the one that i met you imagine being the person that this is about like imagine be like the song is about you and hearing that line and being like <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> she hates me but she loves me or you don't know if it's about you so then you try to think back what month you met her <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're like did we meet did you really? or was it may <laughs> I can't remember. You're just like going through your song. You're like, oh no. Because we all know that every one of her exes listens to her music because it's epic. How could they not? And how could you just not? You're like, yeah, I dated her and it was messy, but like, her but music, hey, we got music. Her music yeah. slaps, man. So who did Taylor Swift me and Jim? A lot of people have been saying this whole album is about Joe Jonas. So oh. anyway, it'd be really interesting to be in his mind at this moment in time. Yeah. I'm going back to like Mr. Perfectly Fine, I think that one is the tra- just the subject matter of that is just kind of like this player type guy um, who makes all these wonderful promises to Taylor that he'll stay just like to run off once he's kind of bored. And I was as I was kind of like looking into it, it says that this song yeah does refer to Joe Jonas when they were dating because um, when she was first releasing this album, like you were saying, like they were dating at the time, and so it's just interesting. Joe Jonas is now married, and I think actually has a kid. Anyways, yeah. So I don't know if this is significant, but in some parts of Mr. Perfectly Fine, she refers to herself as Miss, and in some parts she refers to herself as Ms. And so I don't know why she goes back and forth, but it alters. It's Ms. and then Miss, and then Ms. and then Miss. And I can't figure out why. I think in the last one I noticed it's Ms. Misery for the last time, and I think that adds a sense of um alliteration and like the it sounds and i thought that too but also i loved above and it says i miss misery too oh so i don't know but then it does say misery. now i miss gonna be all right so oh and someday maybe you'll miss me i love yeah i think she does it depending on the mm-hmm. context so she's using the title to line up with different words throughout the chorus that's very cool man She's such a good lyricist. I was trying to write some lyrics yesterday, and I was like, why am I not Taylor Swift right now? Like, that thought literally went through my head. I was like, oh. I think it also goes to show... I think something that's interesting about this, and I've gone on a rant about this before, is that a man, no matter what his marital status is, is Mr. And a woman's Mm -hmm. title changes based on her marital status. And explain that to me. Like, why does she have to be Miss, Ms., or Mrs.? So I think it's interesting. I don't know if it's significant, but part of the feminist side of Taylor makes me feel like it is that Mr. stays the same with all of these, with all these names that come after the title. He always gets to keep his title, but then she, her title changes depending on what it is. And there's more respect given to somebody with the title Mrs. than there is Miss. Because Miss can be used like, oh, okay, Miss, whatever. Like Mm -hmm. it's used very derogatorily. 
often, but Mrs. If you put Mrs. in front of somebody or somebody's name, it gives them respect. You know, like if somebody were to call me, okay, Miss Fairborn, like that's kind of sarcastic. But if they were to say, oh, Mrs. Fairborn, there's a certain level of respect to that. And isn't that interesting that like that one article can kind of change how it comes across? And she never uses Mrs. in this probably because she's not married. But I think it also just adds to your point that I think there is um, a feminist sort of undertone to that and I um I think it also testifies to the fact that in this song she feels pretty broken and pretty like used and I think that kind of has this is re- reinforced with the use of use of words like miss and miss so Logan and Joe like I don't think it has any significance no I don't no seriously I have I just have nothing else to say about that but I do agree with you because I really do like she does have that feminist side of her and like all those especially if you watch her documentary on Netflix like she goes pretty deep into that and some of those things but so I totally think that is a valid thought <laughs> Mr. Insincere Apology so he doesn't look like the bad guy yeah that was Ooh. that's an intense line yeah and she just has a way to and, wrap these words in a way that just sting mm-hmm. and they just hit and it's like what 11 words and he said she says so much in that one line Mm-hmm. about their relationship about who he is as a person about how she felt i never had to see me cry wow okay i'm fine i'm <laughs> emotionally stable <laughs> sorry one of my favorite things that you're good at is this video that i've seen this interviewer there's two interviewers are interviewing taylor swift and this one girl you can just tell is like fangirling so dang hard the other interviewer literally out loud is like i'm just gonna let you have this and so this girl was like interviewing taylor swift and she's like oh and then she's like talking to her and she's like I call you the great philosopher Taylor Swift and Taylor Swift looks at her and she's like like not sarcastically and she's like no no I think you're amazing and this girl's just like dying over here she's interviewing Taylor Swift it just made me think of the great philosopher Taylor Swift I maintain that Taylor Swift's bridges are so architecturally sound that they can carry the weight of my past trauma and reinforce the boundaries I have since created (laughs) <laughs> and um, therefore, I would agree that she is also a philosopher. I'm putting that philosophical She went to bridges like no other. Her, her bridges, bridges are. I could talk for hours about just her bridges. One day we'll do a whole episode on Taylor Swift's bridges. <laughs> just the bridges. Also, for those of you that don't know, my mom asked me this question one time. The bridge is the part of the song that sounds different. So, like, if all of a sudden you get to that point and you're like, oh, this is different, like, what's happening? That's the bridge. Like the contrasting part of the song. Yeah. Anyways. And it's usually only done once. Yeah, it's only done once. The verses in the chorus will repeat, and then the bridge Mm -hmm. is just that one thing that's different. It depends, though, because in folklore, she does this thing where she'll sing the bridge, and then she'll put it again after a chorus. Yeah, but she defied all laws (laughs) in folklore. (laughs) She was talking about I think I've seen this in a couple other artists. They'll use a bridge also, again, as like an outro to the song. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That happens sometimes. Not often, anyway. I really like... I really like the piano version of Forever and Always because for some reason I missed that. Because it was only on the deluxe, and I'm the person who never listens to deluxe albums. I know I should, but. Well, I usually do, especially with Taylor, so I'm like, I don't. And I knew some of the other songs from the deluxe album, so I don't know how I missed the Forever and Always piano version, but it's quality. I like it better than the original. Obviously. I do too. Granted, I also just like sad acoustic music, and so that does it for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting how just changing the instrumentation and changing the. like this the tempo of the song and changing 
the way she uses her voice brought a whole new meaning to the song. It's the same song, same chords, same notes, but she just did it with, I mean, fewer instruments and just, and by fewer instruments, I mean, she literally did it with just piano and um, sang it in a different part of her voice and like different lines stuck out to me, which I find interesting. But again, apparently everybody else has heard the piano version except me. So <laughs> no, I, I didn't know it. Yeah. And I think, We've mentioned this earlier. Her voice is more developed now. Yeah. And so it has more de- depth in and of itself. It doesn't need much more than just that. Yeah. It's beautiful. Just a couple little shout outs. I love the chorus of Don't You. Mm-hmm. Like, and I just love that song as a whole because, I mean, basically it's just Taylor Swift talking about like running into her ex, that encounter, remembering their past together and like the pain of that history. And she just doesn't understand how this person doesn't feel the same pain that she does. But she keeps, you know, just like trying to move on with her life. But I just love the chorus. Like, don't smile at me. Don't ask how I've been. Don't tell me that you've missed me. Like, (laughs) what the crap, dude? Like, (laughs) so I just think it's pretty. It's like, it's just a good song. And I want to add to that again. Just I think that is such a good example of her opening line just like sets you in what she's talking about. And I can't remember exactly what it is. And I can't find the lyrics right now. But she basically is like, I knew I was going to run into you at some point. And we, as soon as she says that, you're like, okay, I know what the song is about. And yeah. brilliant. I love it. Because, again, I think it's hard to define poetry. But um, in the one poetry class I took when I was a creative writing major, um, they talked about the importance of saying as much as you can with as few words as you can. And so the importance of using every word and... I've thought about that a lot since then. And I think Taylor Swift is just so good at that, you know, saying so much with so little. And that's why I think, you know, you can say what you want about using the same chord structures or whatever it is. Um, She is masterful at using words. And I think that's where a huge part of the strength of her music comes from. Not all of it, but a very large part of it. On the note of chord structures, she has a specific chord structure that's like her sad song chord structure because it's in Champagne Problems, All Too Well, Clean, and... Which are all iconic. I think Don't You. It was one of the vault songs. I'm pretty sure it was Don't You. It's the one, five, six, four. And it's just like in all of these songs. And I'm just like, I just need a mashup of all of this. (gasps) One last shout out. I love the bridge in Bye Bye Baby. Also, I just really like this song. Like, because the vibe at the beginning is just different than most of the others. Pretty fun. This is one, I think some people had mentioned that she performed at concerts before or something. Because there were people who knew this one. There was also one that was like leaked. I think it was You All Over Me. I think it was too. Even so, the recording of that is masterful. So go Go Taylor Swift. There will probably be more episodes on her in the future because she will keep releasing music and you all listen to her, our episodes on her more than any of our other ones. So it's just fun to be her fan because she makes it an experience. Which I'm glad that we've all finally got to that point because I feel like there was a time when all of us were younger that everybody was like, oh, you like Taylor Swift? Like, Mm -hmm. no, I don't like Taylor Swift. I don't Taylor Swift. But everybody's like, I love Taylor Swift. Her reputation came out. I will admit, I was like, oh, she's just like gone insane. And I was so there for it. Like, I loved it. And I guess 1989 a little bit too. I was like, oh, her albums are just slowly getting more and more insane. And I was like, cool. I love it. And I liked it kind of ironically. And now I'm like, reputation in 1989 are brilliant, especially Mm -hmm. reputation, like just brilliant. And I'm I'm sad that I had that perception when I was younger because I was just like, I just, all I saw was like, or all I was really paying attention to was like the black and white cover and like 
I mean, Blake's face does sound a little bit insane, which is not Reputation, it's 1989. Well, she did that on purpose. Yeah, she so did. And that's what I understand now, and I'm like, I'm so there for it. (laughs) One day we'll dive completely into those albums, talk about her whole story. It's just incredible. Well, thanks for having us. We should write an album about it. Sorry. Yes, Yes. write an album. Thanks for having us. Thank you for being here. Corey, especially thank you. Corey, you too, you're fine. No, I'm, just <laughs> just I'm old news. <laughs> just really cool. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening in. Please share with your friends. Reach out to us. We love hearing from you. Any feedback that you have, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter at Vinyl Music Pod, or you can email us at vinylmusicpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, shout out to my dear friend Caitlin. Thank you for your kind words and review. If you have a review, we will share it with everyone because we love, like we said, like Logan said, we love hearing from you. See you next time, folks. On, on vinyl. vinyl. Her music slaps, man.